It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. I am Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Please subscribe to the Flow Track Podcast YouTube channel where you can become a member and support the show. Or maybe you could just get alerts on comments anytime we have a post. Because, Gordon, I was watching Sunday Night Football last night. I was going through the rundown, and I saw that Travis, our producer, put on the rundown, the internet gives Gordon a history lesson with a link to YouTube. And I'd seen the Twitter clip. This is in reference to you confusing Norway as being able to participate in the Commonwealth Cup. So I clicked on the link, went to the YouTube page, saw the comments, and I have to say, it was the hardest I've laughed in several weeks looking at these comments. And most of them, they're not your typical mean-spirited YouTube comments. Now, maybe since you're the subject of this, maybe you'll disagree, but I thought a lot of these were genuinely hilarious. I didn't read any of the comments. What, what, what did some of them say? I, I didn't see it. I Okay, I will read all of them now because there were I, I try uh, not to great. read the There's internet 17 comments about me. Okay, so some a lot of crying emojis. A lot of crying emojis here. Um, here's one from Shrek 2. Gordon's goon's been real quiet ever since this. That's good. Uh, we got one here where it says, quote, there's like random African countries in there too. It's like confusing. And then, the, and then the commenter put, the queen's about to give you a slap, Gordon, which is good. Uh, Pizza Hut said, I've always been a Gordon fan, but this shit is getting hard to defend. <laughs> Pizza Hut? I love Pizza uh, Hut. I love going to Pizza Hut. Is it the actual corporate Paul, account? Bro, is that the corporate account, Pizza Hut, commenting on, my, on this podcast? Uh, Paul wrote, it's early in 2022, but this is going to take some beating as the Gordon hilarious moment of the year. No one else is asking the tough questions like, why isn't the U.S. in the Commonwealth Games? But no, hear me out. Like, we used, I know, like, we we had a breakup and it wasn't good. We kind of got a little, <laughs> little bit of fighting over it. But we still have we technically did. British roots, right? 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You're, we're still yeah. in the we're still on their um, in their phone. You know, they don't call us, but we're still listed as a number. So why aren't we in the Commonwealth Games? <laughs> on that same note, commenter Music One Hundred Two threw you a lifeline here. Actually, up until nineteen fifty eight. The Herb Elliott games, they were generally known as the Empire Games. So he's talking about what the Commonwealth Games were called before they, they changed the name. Uh, talking of Norway, didn't they during Viking times lay claim to England? Maybe that tenuous link is enough to invite them to join the Commonwealth family of nations and have Jakob racing against Josh Kerr and the Kenyans in Birmingham this summer. Well, a person can dream. See, that's exactly what I was thinking. 100%. <laughs> Music 102 and I are on the same page. Uh, I was thinking of the Empire Games, which is not to be confused with that video game ad you probably see on the internet for the Empire Games. But you know, I'm. This was hey. This was great. I, this is great. I don't do my geography research before the pod, unfortunately. So too busy. This is good. Did, Again, did this you was watch? awesome. Some people. Go ahead. No, you go. I was just saying. A lot of people were saying, "Well, this is the, you know, like don't Americans learn about." geography in school and i'll just mention it's been a long time since gordon's been in school and commonwealth games and or um which which nations have british roots i don't think is covered although perhaps now it should what were you gonna say did you watch the sunday night football game last night i did i said that's what i was watching but then i got totally distracted by the depth and breadth of these comments so for those who didn't watch it there was a unique situation where it was the last football game of the regular season. Whoever wins the game gets on to the playoffs. However, if for some reason they tie, they both go to the playoffs. And this wasn't looking like that was going to happen. There was like a 12-point lead. Then it became like a 13-point lead. But Chargers made a crazy comeback. Mm. Insane number of fourth down plays. They score with the on the final play of the game to tie it. Then they go into overtime, more fourth downs. Eventually, it's still tied in overtime, and the Raiders have the ball about like 50 to 40 yards out from the end zone. And there's only like 38 seconds on the clock. And basically, we're in a situation where the Raiders can just kneel, and the game's over, and they both go to the playoffs. But for some reason... The Chargers called a timeout, which then made the Raiders maybe change their mind. And eventually, I know this isn't a football podcast, but basically what I'm getting at, the whole point of the idea was they the Raiders could have just easily knelt the ball, take the tie, and everyone's happy. But they decided to do one more play, kick a field goal, and then win outright, which ultimately eliminated the Chargers. Can you imagine a scenario like this in track where, say you're in like the prelim round where, you know, it is in your best interest to not win a race? Like, whether you're like in the first round or second round where, you know, not winning, getting the auto spot allows you to like maybe dodge uh, Timothy Chariot in the semis yeah, or the 1500 or something like that. Yeah. Well, they had to run a play because there was four seconds on the play clock when they yeah. called the timeout. So they're going to have to snap it again. 
And I think the Raiders, if they won, they would have played the Chiefs and they got blown out by them twice. So I think they were going to kick it regardless. It just depended how much time was was on the clock. I thought not of a prelim. I thought of Tambiri and Barshim from the Olympics agreeing to tie because they both got the gold. Whereas if they went to a jump off, well, obviously one of them is going to get the gold, but then the other person is going to get silver. Now, silver is still pretty good consolation. So I don't know if it's perfectly analogous to missing the playoffs, but they were able to talk and collaborate. There's that famous clip of them sitting there talking and then Barshim asks, can we have two? And the official says, yes. And then they're like, all right, let's just call it. I think if the Raiders and Chargers could have met in the beginning of overtime, talked at midfield, maybe get Qatar and Italy on the phone too and say, hey, you guys worked out a pretty high profile tie. That worked out for both of you. You're both celebrating. Both your nations are happy. Italy, obviously, wins a bunch of gold medals that they're not supposed to. How did you guys work the tie out? But instead, I think it was just the ultimate game theory situation. And it reminded me too of 2012, Allison Felix, Jenna Batarmo, tie. And that was sort of a weird setup because if I'm remembering correctly, because remember, they didn't have a tie-breaking procedure. So this event happened at the beginning of the meet and it stretched the whole length of the meet because they're trying to figure out the tie-breaking scenario. And I think what ended up happening was the tie-breaker scenario that they devised was it's either runoff or coin flip. If one person says runoff and the other person says runoff, obviously they run off. If neither want to run off, you do a coin flip. But if one person says runoff and the other person says coin flip, then the person who wants to run off just like goes automatically. So obviously you're incentivized to say runoff in that point because you don't want to give up your spot. Now, Tarmo ended up opting not to run and then Felix got on the team. But I think that's sort of what was happening here. One side wasn't going to unilaterally stand down without like a clear agreement from the other side that they were also going to go. Now, Felix and Tarma, only one could go. So it's a little bit different. In this scenario, both can go. Both could go. The more and more I think about it, bringing up Barshim and Tambiri, why didn't Barshim say, no, I'm going to win. I'm the best high jumper in the world, clearly, over the past five or seven years. Who cares if I get second? I'm going to win. Like, why didn't one? Because you could clearly tell Tambiri was a lot more excited about shared gold than Barshim. Barshim was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But, like, why didn't Barshim say no? I think he already has Tambiri's. Right. Well, Tambiri's excited his whole journey, breaking his leg. That was a monumental comeback for him. I think he agrees to do it because either way he gets cold. It's not as if, hey, we're going to give out two silvers or you can have one gold. It's not like you're going to get a half a gold medal and your friend from Italy is going to get the other half of the gold medal. You still get a gold medal either way. The only yeah, but you thing, know. And you, you're, you're still the Olympic champion. You're still yeah, listed as an Olympic champion. Are you? So the, the only, and this is where it intersects with Raiders and Chargers which is not the direction I thought this pod would open with, but let's just do it, is you could both call yourself playoff teams. You could both call yourself playoff teams. It doesn't matter how you get there. You're both in the playoffs. It, it would have been different if Barshim had to, or Tambiri had to settle for less in order to 
stop the competition. But they both got what they ultimately came there to do, which was get a gold medal. You cannot get a better medal than that. Do you think, though, there's an asterisk on that high jump gold medal? No. I think there is. Because no, gold they, medals they should be given to one to person, not two. So it's kind of like, yeah, this... I had to share this one. <clears throat> We've been on the show before. It's with the high jump and with the pole vault, it's tough. Long jump, shot put, triple, go back to your next best mark. But if there was someone brought this up, if there was a dead heat in the marathon somehow, are you going to make them run it again? Of course not. Every single competition needs their own tie-breaking rules. So, well, it's impossible to have a dead back. heat. It's literally impossible for you, you, the one to be a tie in any race based on law of science and physics. And well, tell that to Felix and Tarmo in 2012. Yeah, I mean, I read that take, but they they got. The guy couldn't, the guy, the head timer couldn't declare a winner. So I know what you're saying. You can keep going back to the next decimal point and go farther and farther back and can find it. But basically, I mean, there's been ties in running event 104 yeah. for medals. Trayvon Bromel, uh, Brom- Andre de Grasse, and de- tied for third. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's happened before. So do you do count back? And I mean, they, they, they were already tied on count back. So then you do a, a jump off and keep going. The option was there for them. I mean, it was written in the rules ahead of time. Listen, track has enough rules that they make up like halfway through a competition. I'm willing to give them credit when they come up with the rule ahead of time and stick with it. And it was written down. So I don't think it counts for less. I think it created a cool moment. And I think both guys moving forward, you're just going to say, oh, they were the Olympic champion that year. I don't think the medal is lessened for either of them because they have to share it. I think it actually made it more memorable for them. Uh, it made it more memorable for like the Twitter moment and like the people yeah. to be like, ooh, sportsmanship. But I think at the end of the day, they're true competitors. They're kind of like, I wish I was the only one with this gold. I know there's another guy maybe, across, maybe across deep down co- in another country who's also acting like they're gold medalists. And it, does, it make, doesn't sit well with me. You know, that's how I would feel. All right, let's move on. Uh, new topic. Actually, not a new topic. We're still uh, op- opening the show here. That was the longest open we've ever had to the show. Uh, we got a lot of cool content coming out this week. Some say this is the biggest week in the FlowTrack podcast <laughs> slash FlowTrack universe with me and Gordon. Uh, today, uh, this week in track, a new weekly show. Uh, I posted it on the site. You can check it out. I'm sure it'll be making its way to YouTube at some point. Tuesdays are going to be a race breakdown day. And the first one that we're rolling out, Gordon. Carl Lewis, Olympic champion and head coach Houston, will be breaking down a race last summer between Shelly and Fraser Price and Elaine Thompson. Hurrah, talking about those two superstars, and we got more with Carl coming. Wednesday will the, be the uh, the debut, not the pilot. I shouldn't say the pilot because we already did a pilot, tested it off the charts with the focus groups. Uh, Gordon's new show, uh, the what do you call it? The NCAA track and field show? Is that the name? Yeah. Sounds cool. like a good, good name. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Wednesdays. And then Thursdays, I'm going to do a pro ranking show. Don't have a name yet. And this week, it's going to be on the men's and women's 60. So I'm going to do 10 deep. Who are my top 10 men in the world in the 60 right now? Who are my top 10 women in the world right now in the 60? And we're going to keep those ongoing segments going throughout the indoor and outdoor 
track season. So this week in track, race breakdown, NCAA show, and then pro show. I'm going to put your, your I put your uh, this week in track on the homepage. So now people can find it. Oh, there it it's is. On the it's on the homepage. And listen, before people say, hey, is this guy trying to be funny? Let me answer that. Yes, that's my goal. I'm trying to be funny. I might fail. I might come up way short, but it's three and a half minutes. So if it doesn't work, you can just move on with the rest of your life. But it's there. I want to do something a little lighter, Gordon. We talk all the serious stuff on this show. Some people say the Flowchart podcast is too serious. So I wanted a way to uh, break the mold and talk about something, talk about the world of track and field in a little lighter way. So it'll be between three and five minutes and it's up on the site now. Also, one other thing. What do people think about live callers to the show? Because we're getting into track season again. And I know we have a lot of very passionate and animated fans, Gordon. So you and I were talking last week along with Travis about the idea of not every show, but maybe once a week, last couple of minutes, opening it up to have people call in video, maybe audio, perhaps. Maybe just audio. I don't know. We'll see how it works. And people can just fire off their opinion. Do we like that idea? I like the idea. I guess we have to find out. We've got to put up a, a, a phone number or whatever, however they would connect. And then they can. we'll see if people do it. If no one calls, then they don't like the idea. If people call, then they like the idea. We'll let the people decide. If no one calls, we just say it's a technical thing. Yes, like, that's exactly what we do. We really wanted yeah. to get this going, but but it didn't work. But a lot of people, we got a lot of people, as I said, very passionate about their country, their favorite athletes, how track is run. You can just say, hey, we got, we got 10 minutes left. Here's a number. Call in and we'll make it happen. So if you like that idea, let us know in the comments and we will try to make it happen or send an email to flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com because we are a video show, right? Video and audio show. So let's incorporate more of that in 2022. Um, I also should add here, one second. Oh, Breezy S likes the idea. There you go, maybe Breezy S will call in. The other reason I wanna do it, our producer Colt, he's just on cruise control now and I feel like we need to add a degree of difficulty at the end of the show that could potentially stress him out. We should have actually run this by him. Cole, is this something we could actually do? Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to do it right now, <laughs> honestly. Um, yeah, I don't know how to we'll do it. We'll figure that. it out, though. We, we can do it, though. Yeah, we, we can got do time. It. We got time to figure it out. Colt is one of the smarter audio-video people in human Thank history. You. So we'll figure it out. He'll be able we to figure it. it out. Yeah, maybe, so, maybe we just do it like we do normal guests. Colt, but we just yeah. do the the audio, yeah. I guess and then we can be commu- we can communicate could, with them and get them code. Well, I think what will happen is all like screen in the background, which will be interesting for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but basically, I think we can just put up a phone number, and then I can screen in the background and then just bring them to you whenever they're ready. But we'll figure it out. That'd be awesome. We got to screen them for cool. the, the trolls. Make yeah. sure there's no trolls in the vault. Yeah, I got to make sure no one calls in to make fun of Gordon too much. Yeah. Well, what are you looking forward to? Maybe we'll let that through. What are you looking forward to your show? Your your job is uh getting harder, Colt. Was that something you woke up this morning and was like, man, I wish this stupid podcast that I produced? <laughs> well, eventually 
I'm going to run out of like things I can do on this computer because I'm just running off of one computer in my house. But for now, gotcha. we're good. But uh, okay, yeah, hell yeah, I'm down for it. Okay, because like we can hear you but not see you, so we should we could be able to do that with with someone else. That'd be great. Yeah, and then yeah, Gordon, if they're going too hard on Gordon, Gordon yells, "Cut his mic! Cut his mic!" It'll yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, twenty minutes into the show, let's talk USA Cross Country Championships. It was the one meet that we predicted going into the weekend, Gordon, because it was the main main race to watch. Both you and I went over on our picks, by the way. For accountability purposes, I'm going to mention that. We had Wayne Kalati winning. She got second to Alicia Monson, the women's race and the men's side of things. We had Hillary Bohr winning, and he DNS'd, did yeah. not start. And Shadrach Kipchurcher got the win on the men's side. Before we go into the big picture uh, on, on this race, what did you think of Monson's performance on the women's side and Kipchurcher for the men? Well, you know, for Monson, you got to think back like this was her wheelhouse going up against Kaladi, right? We've seen Monson mm-hmm. for Wisconsin, Kaladi of New Mexico, kind of have a back and forth later on in Monson's career, her senior year, even a little bit of her junior year. Uh, Kaladi yeah. eventually got the best of her, you know, at the NCAA championship, but like during the Nutty Comb Invitationals and a few other races, she was able to run you know, stride for stride with Kaladi. And she did that again this in at the pro stage and became victorious, was able to pull away kind of late in the, in the race. Wasn't really close near the end. And uh, mm-hmm. it kind of shows like, hey, Alicia Monson coming off of her, making her first world team, I guess the Olympic team uh, back yeah. over in the summer. She, she kind of had a wild 10K there, right? She had dealt, dealt with the heat exhaustion. Um, mm-hmm. but she's starting off 2022 in great form, beating a good Wendy Kaladi. Yeah. Like we believe Wendy Kaladi is the future of women's distance road racing and basically all these non-track events. But also I think yeah. Kaladi is a favorite to be top three in the 10K. So for, for Monson to beat her straight up here in January is a good sign. Uh, it shows that. You know, she's not going to be a one-hit wonder. She should be here to stay going into this year and should be a main contender for top three in the 10K come in Eugene in, in June. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the same thing. I had flashbacks back to 2019 Cross when we were prepping for that broadcast and we had the whole history of Kaladi versus Monson, indoor, outdoor, cross-country. They had so many close races and it was so even even going back to milrose indoors that year so some professional type fields that they were racing in it was always monson and kaladi and we thought we were going to see it again in 2020 and then COVID happened monson left kaladi left and it's cool to see it reignited on the professional side of things and Nathan ritzenhein and that group they are on a bit of a roll here he seems to be pushing all the right buttons. Monson, obviously a big talent, but yeah, you spoke to how good Kaladi has been. So any win over her, I think is a significant victory. Looks like Monson is going to be here to stay, I think. And it would be, it would be fun to see that rivalry carry over into the professional side of things. Yeah. And uh 17 second win. It wasn't, it wasn't even close near the end. I mean, yeah. obviously 
she meant this mid- isn't like way. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's not like Wayne Eklati gets anything more for finishing 10 seconds back versus 17 seconds back. Uh, and you look mm-hmm. at the results of the top 10 or so women. Enfeld with a sh- sh- good third-place finish, I would say, first time, first race mm-hmm. as a non-Bowerman athlete. Durgan, who's mm-hmm. kind of a low-key, sneaky good runner for Adidas. Stephanie Bruce, who actually uh, recently just announced that this is her last year as a pro. She's retiring mm-hmm. at the end of the year. Uh, so starting off her her retirement season um, well with the top yeah. five finish. And then Natasha Rogers rounds out the top six. Molly Seidel finishing eighth. That, to me, is like a sign of, you know, this isn't my priority. Because you would think the third place Olympian in the marathon would do better than eighth at a USA cross-country race. Um, mm-hmm. So... I think she's uh she's clearly better than that, and I think she's showing that you know one her main event is definitely going to be longer than shorter distances, aka the marathon. But uh, I think you know it's kind of mm-hmm. it's weird when we see athletes who we know are better than eighth get eighth, mm-hmm. and you kind of like all right, so what? Why is someone of Molly's caliber getting eighth in a race, and? If this was the Olympic trials, she probably wouldn't be getting eighth, right? She would probably be finishing mm-hmm. closer to top four, top five. And then it makes you think, how important are, is this race to these pros? Is it a glorified practice? Is it a glorified, yeah, we're here to try hard, and if things go well, we'll celebrate the win. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. getting having a bad race here is not that big of a deal, you know? And I think that's a an issue with our sport, kind of, right? Where not all races are treated like they matter. Now, there are going to be people who do care, right? I'm not saying all these athletes are showing up being like, whatever, USA Cross. But you got to look at it. You know, mm-hmm. the field was only like 30 or 50 women. Of that field, probably only 10 were like national caliber talented athletes. It's kind of like just... It's not the same as an Olympic trials or the same as the USA's. And yeah, yeah. I think our sport would be better if more races were treated like they were Olympic trials, like they were USA's, because that's when you know you're getting the best out of everyone. And we're just, I don't know, watching the results of the race, I was kind of like, I think the athletes weren't treating it the way the fans and even the meet organizers were hoping it would be treated. <clears throat> and it's not the athlete's fault because their contracts are told don't treat January races like they're all out for yeah. Don't yeah, treat yeah. January races yeah. like Super Bowls. Treat it the has races a, like a Super Bowl, USA's and Worlds. It has a prestigious title, USA Cross Country Championships, but it could be just named Cross Country Meet Number One. Yeah. USA it's just an opportunity to run. Yeah. It's just an yeah. opportunity to run, put on the uniform, compete against other people. I think Molly Seidel captured the sentiment perfectly, and I give her credit for going out there and racing because she says in her Instagram post, often we think we can't race until everything is perfect because of what people will say or think if we underperform. I say F it and just go have fun even if you know the fitness isn't there yet and you get your ass is it kicked 
I don't know. We need to scroll down a little bit there. Unfortunately, we cut off at the exact wrong time there on the screen. Uh, so I think she, I think she nails it here. I think she nails it here. And I, like I said, I give her credit for racing. Now she's a marathoner. So her schedule is going to be completely different as is, right? She needs to be yeah. in form two, maybe three times per year. So I, I give her credit for going out there and racing. And I think she explains a lot of why people don't go out and race. Um, because if you wait until everything's perfect, you're, you're rarely going to race. And then if you do race and something goes wrong on that one day, then your opportunities are gone. So I give credit to the people who just go out there and continue to do it. And if it's eighth, if it's 10th, if it's 20th, if it's first, then we get to at least see you, know you're out there training, know that you're still putting the miles and, and someone to keep an eye on. Because the alternative is you just hide away, run two or three times a year in perfect conditions. And then that's not much fun in terms of, from a fan's perspective, following the sport. Um, go ahead. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is a problem with our sport because people can think, put the blame on USATF. And it's not, USATF is doing the right thing. They're creating an event. San Diego yeah. is doing the right thing. They're hosting it. All the fans are doing the right thing by watching it and thinking about it and caring about it. The fans are yeah. there. The meet organizers are there. The governing body is there. Now, obviously, it's not that much prize money, but regardless of that, that I mean, that's a factor. But at the end of the day, even some of the athletes are there, but the athletes are not uh, wound in the way – to care about a, a January race. And it all comes down to, I think it all comes down to the sponsorship contracts. Because I think that most uh, athletes' sponsorships all geared around things like making world teams and probably world ranking. Uh, mm -hmm. like, like being ranked the top 10 might be an extra bonus. But at the end of the day, it's really just making world teams. Yeah, And... If we want to, if we want to make more races matter, make team sports matter, and all these different things, you got to start to the source, and the source is the incentive of the athlete is to only care about qualifying in a summer event. They're not told to care about yeah. anything else. Everything else is practice, and so that's what these athletes are doing. It's fun when Alicia Monson can win, but at the end of the day, Alicia knows if I won or lost, it doesn't matter. I was, I'm all thinking about the June 10K. And yeah. I just think it shows that if we really want to fix this sport, you got to get the shoe sponsors to incentivize these athletes to run a full season and not incentivize them to just only care about making a world team and moving on. Well, it's an uphill battle as is for a regular season race. And then you make it cross country where there's no world championships this year. And it gets really difficult to have all those things that you're talking about align with one another. And $2,000 was the winning prize purse. That's not going to get too many people out there. It would be interesting to see. I know people are investing a lot in series of meets, but it would be interesting to see if instead of investing a bunch in a series, people just threw down a whole bunch of money at one meet. Because you see this happen sometimes in track particularly in Europe, there'll be a lower tier meet. And all of a sudden one year, you're like, wait, why is Usain Bolt going there? 
Why, why did Usain Bolt show up to this random meet in June to make this his tune-up for the Jamaican trials? And then you find out later on the race had deep pockets. So they, they had crazy good fields. But the money and then qualifying to a world championship are the, or Olympics are the two main things that are going to get people out there. But the World Cross Country Championships, we've seen it, are not enough incentive. Even if there were World Cross Country Championships this year, I think the field would go from, let's say, 4 out of 10 or 3 out of 10 to 5 or 6 out of 10 with the World Championships on the line. It would get a little bit better, but we're not going to see everybody there. We've had some pretty good fields. We've had some pretty good teams compete at World Cross Country Championships. But you're always missing a name or two. And then when you take that away, the quality drops even more and the depth drops even more. Because you're right, 30, 40, 50 people in the U.S. championships is, it was strange to see. I went back and looked at some other ones. They were all of the past decade. They were under 100, but there was, you know, 70, 80. And they've had good people run this race, good people win this race. I remember you went one year in Tallahassee. Bowerman showed up that year. But clearly they didn't show up this year. So it's, it's not a regular occurrence for people. They don't circle it on the calendar. If it works out to go do a tempo run on a cross country course, then they go and do it. If it doesn't, they don't. Yeah. Hey. For some, for some. And I don't want to say that's the case for everybody because Monson, Kaladi, Enfeld, they are top flight runners. They're going to be people in yeah. contention for teams. There's, there's a, a world championship medalist on that list, but beyond that to get that depth to get that whole quality you need more people there because on the men's side this is i think this might be a significant result for shadrach kip here now you can say all right well how good was the field and he wins in a sprint finish but this is a guy who was hurt last year so now we watch this race we know that when he's healthy he's one of the best 10,000 meter runners in the united states and now we know at the very least he's back so this meat can serve that kind of purpose yeah i mean he Dylan Maggard is no, is a no joke. He's he's a he can make a top eight finish in a ten k or five k, I believe. Obviously, Chilenga yeah. has had a wild career where he's retired and come back, retired and come back, and and now he's back getting third at a USA, which so is kind of wild. Career more of a marathoner. Um, it, it's it's still not like ten deep, but that win for Kip Churcher definitely makes you have to think. All right. Um, he could be a wild card top three guy in the 10 or the five. I mean, I say that wild card because Bowerman just has two studs right now in Fisher and yeah. Kincaid. So, and then throwing a Paul Chalimo in the five and, and a Cooper tier who's in the, you know, up and coming guy. It's just going to be a really yeah. hard team to make. His best chance is definitely going to be the 10K. Um, it's good. One, it's going to be the 10K. And two, it's going to be hoping maybe one of the Bowerman guys doesn't do it because then another spot opens up uh, or they're just not on perfectly. And then because 10K, anything can happen. You have a bad race and all of a sudden only one Bowerman guy gets on. But you got to mm -hmm. think Shadrach is in the mix now. He's shown he's healthy. He, he won a, you know, a, a, a B minus C plus field. Hey, a win's a win though, right? Eagles. Yeah, win. They, they are 9 and 0 against non-playoff teams and O and A against playoff teams and they're going to the playoffs. So it happens. Sometimes you win you win who you race. You beat who you race. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to give you this list of names. 
this is who made the 10,000 Olympic team. I want you to tell me, you don't have to tell me who's on, who's off, but how many of these same people were on it. So last year, you had Fisher, you had Kincaid, you had Klecker. And then on the women's side, you had Sisson, Schweizer, Monson. How many of those six are going to make the world championship team? Give me a number. How many of those six? So Sisson, Schweizer, Monson. Monson. And Klecker, who else? Fisher and Kincaid? Mm hmm. One, two. I say, I say only three make it. Okay. Lower than I thought. I would say four, but I'm going to go three. Let's add a little chaos. No, I'll say four. Okay. Four will make it. So we're only replacing two of them. I won't say who those two are, but you know who you are. You know who I'm thinking. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of prime people in there, which is why I think yeah. it's an interesting question because there's a lot of people who are doing their best running right now. So to get supplanted, something's going to have to change. But you have such a small sample size in the 10,000. And remember, the 10,000 trials are before the rest of the, the U.S. championships this year. So they have smaller window to get ready it's still may so we're still several months away but that'll be the first um running event where we know who's on the on the team so just want to pay attention to that because we're not going to see what we're going to see them run one ten thousand before that maybe that if that if even yeah, yeah. They they might all even qualifying debut. With, they're all qualifying with their marks from basically the summer probably yeah maybe some Peyton. Maybe run one at Peyton just to get the feel of 25 laps again. That'll be interesting to see. How many people debut with a trip to the World Championships on the line? It's just always an interesting phenomenon. It's, yeah, that's a good point. Well, they're definitely going to be running 10,000 meters at practice. We're just not going to see it. you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'd hope. I'd hope they cover that distance before uh, it's time to, to run for World Championship teams. Okay, that's USA Cross. Let's see. Um, you want to read some emails? We have some emails here that I think sure. are interesting. One of them, um, let's read this for one first. This one is from Dave. So there's two parts to this email that we'll, we can discuss separately. It says, the other day you were predicting that Centro might be at the end of his career. By the way, that was Gordon for Centro, but not important. I think that's a pretty stark prediction, and it comes across as almost cruel and negative and unfounded. Running is often about having a bad day or having a setback or taking time off for an injury and fighting father time. Almost all runners are coming back from a loss or setback. Very few runners win all the time. Many are breakout youths, then do well as seasoned veterans. Suggestion. You can put a more positive spin on the topic of a runner's eternal struggle for success with a segment focused on runners who show potential for a big comeback. For example, we call the LL Cool J award of the week, i.e. don't call it a comeback. Look at Drew Hunter. He was a high school phenom and then was off the radar for a few years recently, won that road 5K championships. Um, so many runners have had setbacks but are faithful to the grind and are betting on a good comeback. And he lists a couple here. Quigley, Enfeld, Houlihan, Ostrander, Coburn Frerichs, Kane, Chariot, Spencer Brown, Woody Kincaid, Gwen Jorgensen. Not trying to throw shade your way, just saying it might be more appealing to spin the topic towards a positive. I is who is who is down but not out. Who is going to prove the pundits wrong? That is Dave. So I want to respond to that second part in a, in a second here. 
and you could pick somebody not on his list, but who who do you think could make a big comeback this year? But to his first point, and listen, nobody's more critical of Gordon Mack than me. And if you think I just do it on the podcast for show, I do it way more in person. We can't discuss sports. Track and field is a sport without discussing where people finish. And for every person who misses a team, somebody else makes a team. Correct? So I think that's how it works. If, yeah. you, if you want a positive spin, Gordon is basically saying there will be an open spot on the men's 1500 this year that was previously occupied by one of the greatest men's middle distance runners in American history. Now, you can disagree with that, which is fun. I disagree with it. I think he's got at least more one, one more year left in him, and I gave my reasons for that on the pod. But this is a competitive endeavor. That's what we're talking about with sports. And I don't think it's negative to say that somebody else is better. Now, maybe you could frame it as Craig Engels is going to beat Matthew Sentowitz this year. And maybe that's a positive for Craig Engels as opposed to a negative for Matt Sentowitz. But the nature of discussing sports, and I think we try to do as best we can a good job here of not just being over the top is and showing a little bit of context and everything, but there are going to be people who win and people who lose. And that's what makes the successes fun when they have them, because it's difficult to win. And Centrowitz is obviously an example of that. But you, when you talk about sports, you, kind of, you have to include that part in it. You can't have one without the other. Yeah. Not all takes in track and field need to be a... Uh positive take there should be there should be there's negative takes in life and sports like i think some people will lose and that means i think other people will win and it's not me yeah. it's just i'm yeah uh, i'm not like saying no one's winning i don't know i mean that's what we do in sports all the time right we always want to be positive you think in like other sports where in the nba there are 25 top 10 players and there are 60 top 25 players yeah. And there are a hundred right. top 50 players because there's always yep. everyone is a top 10 caliber, top 25 caliber, but like, wait, no, someone has to be 26. Someone has to yeah. not be top 10. Someone has not to be top 25. And then this, someone has to not be top three. If we say everyone is top three, then there's no, there's no, nothing's happening then. We're just, yeah. We're just saying participation awards because you just, we like your style. We think you're a great person. And Central, I'm not saying Central's not a great person. I'm just thinking, hey, I'm going out on a limb, and I'm getting the take that I think it ends this year. It's going to end. He's not going to win every year forever. I mean, this right. is a take that people had on Tom Brady like 10 years ago, and that take's been wrong like 10 years in a row. But eventually that take will be correct, and everyone wants to be the one to kind of predict it first. So, you know, if, he may, if Central makes a team – I will not be surprised and I'll yeah. be like bummed that I got it wrong. But, you know, such a sports. You, yeah, I don't hold on to my takes as long as Gordon holds on to his takes. But the, you have to give your opinion. Yeah. And you, you're right. There's only three spots available. So n people aren't going to make it. There's only one Athlete of the Year award. When I say Krauser should make it over Warholm, I'm not saying 
Warholm had a bad season. I'm saying Krausers was better. I looked at the two. Krausers was better, in my opinion. Now, you can disagree with me. That's fine. And those guys, I think, are close enough to where I would agree with many of your points even. But just to say, oh, that person was great. This person, oh, yeah, they were great. And this other person's great. Not only is it, oh, it's not interesting, probably for a lot of people, but it's also not really an honest telling of what's going on in the sport. Because in every race, there are people who overperform and people who underperform. Now, again, there's a balance to it. We didn't go through USA Cross and highlight, here are the six people who did the worst at US Cross. Go, Gordon, give me your top, your top six. We talked about the winners who did well and the rivalries that are going to come out of it and what it means for the outdoor track season. But for, for the record, a few years ago, I did do a end of the year, like top five fails of the year. Yeah. And everyone got so upset about it. A lot of pro athletes, like you're tearing down these athletes. And I'm like, I'm, come on. Like you see top 10 fails on sports center once a week on, on Friday. Mm -hmm. And you don't see yeah. those professional athletes calling in to ESPN and be like, Hey, can you not highlight our, the failure? Like these people work really hard. Yeah, they work really hard, but like it's sports, sports has fails and it's fine. Like sports also has successes. Anyway, yeah. I remember I got yelled at internally and externally for just like saying this was a fail moment because it was. Yeah. You can't deny that losing is a part of the sport. Sorry, but like, yeah. Well, it's also, all great athletes. You wanna, great athletes lose. It's like, if you want to say that, hey, no sport should be covered that way, there should not be fails on Sports Center. There should not be shacked in a fool. There should not yeah. be you got mossed. There should not be the not top 10. That's fine. I'll listen to you. But if you're saying track should be covered more like the NFL, like the NBA, like soccer, like hockey, like baseball, but and then also want at that same point to not cover when people don't do well, it's hard to know exactly what you're asking for because that that's the, that's the drama. The drama in anything isn't just unlimited success. The drama is there is failure. Let's see how they respond to the failure. That's what makes it exciting. Boxing, USC, there's a clear winner. There's a clear loser track. There's clear winners. Well, actually, track, I mean, top three gets you on the team. So track actually has a little more leeway here, too. Well, so unfortunately, we can be a little more positive. Clear loser. There's not clear losers as we've seen in the high jump. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm saying. I want a clear loser, but we're not allowed to have that. Yeah. We can't have good things in life. Yeah. But, but I try to, to straddle that line to, to provide context to be like, hey, that person got fourth, but look at where they've come from. But at the same time, they're still behind the person who got first, because I think that's just being honest with the audience about what's going on. And I think most people deep down, like sports fans, want to consume track the same way they consume these other sports. Now, it may be a little bit different because if they run themselves, maybe they see themselves in more athletes. And with something like the marathon, where part of it is just, man, I'm just in awe because I run a marathon and look at all these people and look how fast they can do. Like they're, everybody who runs under 220 is so good. I can't even conceptualize it. They're all awesome. Like, why would you rip on somebody for running 216? Whereas, you know, they don't have as much experience playing football at a high level. So it's easy for them to say, wow, that quarterback was a bum. He threw four interceptions. 
but a lot of people do consume it in that same way. And I think part of it is individual versus team sports as well, too. That's the other dynamic here. Yeah. It's easy to criticize a, a, a team and just say, man, the Lakers, are they ever going to be able to get it together versus pointing fingers at specific people, although they do that in team sports as well, too. Yeah, I mean, not saying track, but like it is kind of eye-opening seeing how like media and fans like interact with the NBA versus interacting with track. Like an example, Joel Embiid, Philadelphia 76er, great player. Never heard of him. He's arguably what is it, top 10 player, mm -hmm. right? Uh, all NBA guy. People would with no debate, just argue he's one of the best players in the league. They're not going to say he's one of the worst players in the league, right? We can say that. Two okay. or three years ago, they get eliminated against the Toronto Raptors, breaking my heart and everyone's the hearts of Philadelphia, by last second shot by Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Joel Embiid is spotted walking into the locker room, and he's crying. And he's, got, he's crying, yeah. tears coming out of his eyes. And it's like an ugly cry. It's not like a good cry. It's an ugly cry. It's like not a good picture. And that f image gets put all over the internet. Yeah. And most of it, 95%, even all of it, all of the internet yeah. was making fun of the cry, mocking him. Yeah. Yeah. Aha, you'll yeah. never win. You suck. You, you're, you're like, Kawhi's better than you, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't like, People weren't going out there saying, how dare you? Uh, he's, he's a grown man. He worked really hard. He deserves better mm -hmm. treatment than making fun of his crying. And I think, well, the reason why the NBA allows is because I think the NBA, everyone knows it's part of the game. It's the trash talking. Mm. It's fans trash talking. Yeah, yeah. They're trash talking yeah. Embiid. They're not actually hating Embiid and uh, disrespecting his game. They are just promoting that, like, I think my players can beat you. And I, yeah. Can you imagine if someone got fourth place at the Olympic trials and there was a photo of them crying and the internet memed it, making fun of that person? Yeah. Like that would yeah, never happen would, in track. Yeah. Well, I remember, you don't maybe not, not remember this because I'm older than you, but do you remember Adam Morrison, Gonzaga basketball player? Yeah. 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 Remember he got knocked out, I think, early on in the tournament when they were a high yes. seed and he was crying on the bench during the game. And it wasn't just random people online. It was media people taking a shot at him. How could you possibly be crying when the game is still going on? And I was on Morrison's side. I totally understood. And maybe that part of that is the, the track DNA yeah. in me of being sympathetic and, and seeing the whole picture and not looking at it in this binary fashion. So in many ways, I think a lot of us are, are more open and more have, have a broader perspective and aren't just looking for cheap shots here when it, comes to, when it comes to sports. Because track, we've understood, hey, there's real people making these, these decisions and they're not, they're not trying to do bad. That's not their goal, not their intention. But the moment I, I, I mean, the moment I realized Joel Embiid is the real deal is when he was being mocked for this photo, he made that photo his profile picture. Yeah. And then, every, right, and then right, the right. mocking went away because everyone's like, oh, okay. Yeah, he wanted to win. I guess that's true. We all wanted to win, right? So, yeah. Uh, but I do think it, I'm not saying that we need to be able to mock track athletes for the record. Like, that's not my take. 
We need to be able to mean oh. track athletes. But like, there is something about other sports in our sport, track, our sport being track, how like it becomes a little too like pins and needles, like glass house where you got to treat everyone like there can be no failure. Everyone is happy. Like it's very participation area of like, they just tried really hard. Like go yeah. get them. Who like, you... and I'm just like, I kind of ruins okay, cool. the, you want there to be victories and defeats. Like it's, it makes the victory better when you know there's a defeat, but track everyone's like, I mean, I mean, our sport is literally designed on glorifying people who get third, where they don't really well, don't glorify people who get third in the NBA and NFL. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it because I think a lot of people look at goal. We we glorify top three because we know oh it moves you to the Olympics or World Championships. But there's a lot of people who look at bronze as a failure. Like look at when Phelps. Look at how Phelps or Lochte when they on the rare occasions they didn't get a gold how it was covered. It's pretty nuts on the swimming side of things. I think it's gold. They keep count of golds. Very rarely are people keeping track of like total overall medals. Let me ask you this. 2021, which athlete in track got the most negative coverage? By the whole ecosystem, not media, but just social media and everything. I mean, Shikari. Okay. Who got the most positive coverage? Shikari. Exactly. So. My point being, I think a lot of this is a function of the size of the sport. Yeah. And when it's small, the people who are invested in it view it a, in a different way than once it gets so big, you bring in more casual fans who don't have connections to the athletes who may not know the sport as well. And they're way more willing to take shots. They're also willing to praise sometimes, but they're willing to take shots, which then just changes the entire ecosystem of the coverage because then there's a media person who then is willing to take a shot who maybe doesn't cover the sport full time. And then another person tries to add on to that take. And then it just builds and builds and builds and builds from there. So I think 95% of this, it's just a function of the size of the sport. And I think if you looked at other sports, it would be of this size, the, the type, the tone and tenor of the coverage would be similar. Yeah. And I, I do okay. I do think I, yeah, and last but not least, I do think the team aspect allows fans to be more um antagonistic because they are more yeah. ch cheering against the logo and not the person where track right. everyone is just a person. No one is like, Yeah, suck it, Nike athlete, team Adidas over here. Yeah, yeah go Adidas, yeah. no a lot like that's not happening. So it's like, right. why would you care if Trayvon Bromel wins or lose? That seems kind of rude to like be happy that he lost. Like he hasn't done anything to you. But if he represented yeah. the Boston Celtics, you'd be like, thank God that guy lost because you hate the Celtics, right? Well, Something and that's like. and that's when the overwhelming negative and positive coverage come in at the Olympics yeah. because they're seen as representing a team, Team USA. Real country. And yeah. then you, yeah, exactly. I would say as a percent of overall coverage, the US four by one got more negative attention because there was zero like the ratio if you go approval disapproval it was yeah. way out of whack but the volume of it was nothing compared to to richardson do you have a pick for somebody who most people would probably be counting out but who you think has a shot we did this last year i remember um 
and I think I picked Brenda Martinez. But I'm, like, who's I'm gonna be like to... the Sarah Vaughn makes the world team at a late age? Type well, thing? according to Dave, and I appreciate the email, Dave. Thank you for writing in. Who's down but not out? Basically, who's gonna prove the pundits wrong? Do you want me to read you some candidates? I mean, Drew Hunter's a good candidate. He's a a candidate you could consider down but not out. Yeah. Um, Chez. Okay. Edward Cheswick. What if he yeah. like makes his first world team for Kenya and medals in Eugene? That'd be kind of wild. Consider him someone who's kind of down but not out. Um, Hase. Jordan Hase. Jordan Hase. Yeah, she. If she, I, I mean, I don't know what she can do because I mean, I guess he'll be running a fall major and finishing top three again. Mm-hmm. That would be crazy yeah. if she did that. That would be a big down but not out moment. Um, it feels weird to put someone on the list about who's made an Olympic final, but just based on expectations, you'd say Michael Norman. Yeah. Um, look at Marvin Bracey. He's a guy who was hasn't he's been kind of down with getting injured, and then he doesn't mm-hmm. wasn't able to show his true ability. There's a lot of people, right? There's a lot of people where you could you could find a lot of reasons why everyone is down. That's the thing. Like the only people who aren't down is like Krauser, Mondo, and Warholm. <laughs> Everyone else Stephane in the world, yeah. you could argue is down, right? And on, on the women's side, Safan, and you could argue Lane Thompson Hurrah is down because you could be like, yeah, she never, no, no, she no, didn't no. ever broke the world record, so she's still she's down. not down. Yeah. I get, but no, but I you're, you're onto something there. She's not down, but you could say Fraser Price is down, even though she's yeah. the fastest season of her career but she didn't get any gold so you can say she's down but so going back to the email this is the point you can't get the down but not out story if you don't at least call out when they're out or they're down excuse me right like if you're just saying hey everything's hunky-dory with this person then you don't get the whole arc of of their career but i i think that is a good point you look at the olympic chant like a thing mo Fine, Miller Weibo, fine. You look at the Olympic champions, but everybody outside the Olympic champions, and look, even with Safan Hassan, you could be like, hey, she has not cracked the riddle that is Faith Kipiegon. She's one and three against her last year in the 1500. Now, she's got two other gold medals, which I'm sure she's really happy with, but I'm sure that motivates her. Yeah. For 2022. So, yeah, there's a very small group of people who aren't looking to go up a level in in this new year. But I think there is a group of people that who either missed the Olympics entirely or underperformed expectations. Like even someone like Brazier to go from world champion to missing the team. That's got a sting. That's got a sting. And, you know, he handled it really well last year. Um, and I remember the coverage in that. Remember, we weren't there, but the Zoom interviews that they did and people were asking him like how it went and he's just like, yeah, it sucked. And they're like, man, this is like, why'd you ask that question? It's like, well, to, to understand what he's feeling at that time, right? Like we've been covering Brown and Brazier for years. We cover him at his highs. You've got to cover him when he has the lows too, because when he gets back on top, which personally, I think he will, we don't know for sure, but I think he will, like you want to know that whole story and where he came from and things aren't perfect all the time for everybody. 
Brazier, I mean, first half of his career is the definition of down and then out and then up. You know, with him, hundred percent, not being 100%. able to qualify through rounds had, like three and a years in a row, yes. and then finally breaks yeah. through and, and if, he's the best in the world. And if we had sat here and said in seventeen world or USA's or eighteen indoors, well, eighteen indoors was kind of stupid because everybody got DQ'd, but like, hey, who had a great meet, Brazier? No one would believe us, nor should they. Because we expected him to do better. But that made the 19 story so incredible with the American record and the gold medal. He answered any questions people had to a resounding effect. And he would be the first person to admit, yeah, 16 didn't go well. 17 didn't go well. 18 indoors didn't go well. And then I figured some stuff out and look at the result. Now I'm the American record holder. So you're only looking at one side of it if you're only erring on that on that positive side. I won't belabor the point anymore, but those are good picks. Uh, Shrek2 on YouTube says, G'day is down, but she will double at Worlds. Yeah, so Latensibet G'day, no golds, obviously, because it's Safan Hassan, but she's got two world records. Well, what do you think she wants? Uh, she wants two, two golds, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, I think her and Safan Hassan is the perfect uh, example for that age-old debate. What's What would you rather have, the world record or a gold medal? I think mm-hmm. most people would rather be a Safana Hassan with the golds than the day with the, rec- the world records. One more email real quick. Uh, Chad, listen to your discussion on Defensive Player of the Year. This is an old one, Gordon, when we did Defensive Player of the Year for our 2021 awards. I feel as though you missed a major candidate. In an incredible finish to the U.S. Olympic trials in the 5K, we watched Paul Chalimo start in lane one and progress outward and finish in lane four. The move pushed Fisher and Kincaid out as they looked to pass, although upon crossing the line, he immediately went on the offensive and put Kincaid in a headlock. I still believe this qualifies as defensive move of the year. Yeah, this is, this is, is correct. I don't, know, I don't know why we overlooked this. Well, that's the defensive play of the year. He's not the defensive yeah. player of the year. That's just a defensive play. A good boxing out, got the rebound. Yeah. And went on the offense with the little arm, arm neck hold, or whatever he did. I don't even know. Like, give him a noogie Headlock. or something. I don't even know what he was doing. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was aggressive. Um, but yeah, right, we'll def- leave it there. Defensive on, player of the year. On, on Wednesday's show, we're going to have a Gordon dunk update because we got this great email from Steven, who's a runner who can dunk. And he sent along a video, which is impressive. We'll try to queue up the video too for, for Wednesday's show. But email in flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. We also got the Houston half marathon and marathon coming up uh, this weekend. So we'll start previewing that as well and obviously touch on any news that happens between now and then. Thanks again for listening, tuning in. Remember, this week in track uh, is up on the site. You can check that out. Also, Gordon's going to have his NCAA track and field show coming out on Wednesday. I'll have a race breakdown with Carl Lewis, as well as the pro rankings in the 60 for men and 60 for women. Check all of it out. Thank you to Travis for producing. Thank you to Colt, who is probably not happy to be producing this podcast anymore when we introduce the live caller element, but he's a good sport. He's a good sport. We'll talk to you guys Wednesday.